to mention that today's classes are in memory of Avraham Azriel Ben Yitzchak Vechasia, Vaisuri Goldstein and family and, and our class as well. Okay. Uh, shalom and welcome to our uh, fourth shiur in from family to um, second. Let me get rid get rid of the slide. Okay. Um, okay. So we're in another uh, shiur about Sefer Shmot, how we turn from a family to a nation, and we are in the beginning of Sefer Shmot. We're going slowly, slowly. I, I do it slowly. The first two chap two chapters because that's the, that's the foundation. In other words, if we understand what happened to us as, you know, as we moved from a family to a, to, to a large people, uh, that, will, that will be easier to understand what would be the next step. So um, let me share um, my, uh, let me share my, age and here we go okay so we stopped last week uh in chapter 1 verse 11 and we heard about and today we're gonna we, we're just gonna focus on on the on the verses on the torah itself on the pshat of of hearing the words and what what is the torah telling us and we're not going to go into commentators we'll just want to hear uh, what can we see? What can we hear from the from the sim simple story? Okay, and um, um, because Paro was afraid that the people of Israel became so large and they will join an enemy to remove his reign, or they will leave Mitzrayim to go back to Canaan, and then they they'll Mitzrayim will lose their their slaves. Uh, Pharaoh is. Uh, putting hard work upon upon the Israelites, so they so they set taskmasters uh, over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built uh, the cities, the two cities, Pitom Veramsens. And we mentioned that they built cities, and they didn't build the pyramids. The pyramids were there for thousands of years before uh, in Mitzrayim, and they built the cities. Those cities most likely were like store store cities where, where, where Pharaoh could keep um, um, many of his belongings and stuff and 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 um, and, and um, animals and uh, and food and and his money and his and his treasures there but then we have a surprising verse in in verse uh, 12 we hear but the more they were oppressed, the more they increased and spread out so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. Something unnatural happened. The more they oppressed them, they didn't die, but they became more and more. Nothing hurt them. They just, they were more, they kept bringing, you know, giving birth to many kids and growing and lar larger in numbers. And the Egyptians understood there's something above nature that is happening with them and everything that as people, and especially I think in the ancient world where the, the mysterious forces were taking 
you know, as 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 uh, as um, as a as a natural thing, as they they were obviously there. And if we see something unnatural happen, that's a sign that there's some God involved in what's happening to them. But you know, but not yet admitting that they're that they can't beat the Israelites. And they put more more work on them. And the Egyptians ruthlessly imposed upon the Israelites. I just want to show you the word in Hebrew. You know, uh, is, is becoming that word that we use upon the slavery in Egypt. It was ruthlessly, it was more than a slave can take. Uh, they, 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 um, uh, they enslaved them, you know, to, to a point where they, they, they wanted to break not only their spirit, but also to break their, their bodies. Um, and um, and, uh, um, and the various labors that they made, the, the words that you see in um, yeah, italic, that's how you say it when, they, when they're a little bit um, to the side. So that, that's sort of an explanation where, where the, when the translator thought that the, that the verse is not, it's not simple or is not clear enough. So they added, uh, added words. Uh, but the various labor that they made them perform ruthlessly, they made life bitter for them with harsh labor at mortar <clears throat> and bricks and with all sorts of tasks in the field. And with that, maybe it's a clue or maybe it's a sign that, that the, the, the hard labor was both in the houses of the Egyptians and also outside of the houses building cities uh, in the field, and they made their life bitter. Now we, we hear echoes here of the of the Seder night, right? The the maror, the bitter mar marir, and avodat haparech. Um, but this is the uh, um, the the description. You know those those three um, verses that we've just read just show us that the Egyptians were very serious about breaking. The people of, of the, the Israelites and uh, either break them so they won't be able to fight them and break them so they'll understand that they will stay slave forever. Now I want I want to say something, you know, looking looking both at the at the at the yearly timing of reading of reading the, the parashot of Sefer Shmot and the story we just read. I think it's it, I think it's necessary in order to get to get deep understanding of how I would call it the God of history. You know, we, we can see God in history, and it, it's in in the um, in in the calendar in the Jewish year. Almost always, we read the chapters, the stories of Sefer Shmot of Exodus uh, at the man at the month of Shvat. And Shvat, I think someone has an open mic. If you can please just close your mics, because so uh, there's some uh, sounds at the at the background. Thank you. Um, and it's very interesting because at the um, it's as if the Torah is telling us that we 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 hear about the slavery, but something will happen. It will be like you know, like a like a little flower growing, you know, through the snow or the the uh, the almond tree starting to starting to blossom and it's not it's not spring yet 
we're still in in the in the winter but there's still signs that you know that 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 spring will come the sun will shine hope is always there hope is always there sometimes it's hidden and we can't see it but if we believe it's there then many times it's helping us go you know go through the winter go through the cold of the winter now right now we see no signs of spring we see no signs of hope we're in the midst of the cold winter of the of the harsh in slavery in in egypt ruthlessly you know hurting the the people of israel making their life bitter from the harsh work and 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 everything that comes up into mind that they can move, make the israelites more miserable they do it but then there's even you know we go from the from the from the bad to the worst and if that wasn't enough the the, the egyptian king or the pharaoh come with another with another idea the king of egypt spoke to the hebrew midwives and i want to come uh, uh how do you say con, con um i disagree with the explanation okay um because he the the translator here i copied it from safaria but the translation here chose one of the options which is not to my opinion the pshat the the, the simple words of the of the the, the simple meaning of the words but let's go first with his with their uh, translation and then I'll, I'll tell you mine i want to protest okay that's the word i was looking for i want to protest because this is it's it's it doesn't give us the insight so they so the king of egypt spoke to the hebrew midwives one of whom was named shifra and one uh, and the other pua okay and now let's go back to the hebrew i want to show you something in hebrew when it says the, uh, the king of Egypt spoke to the there are two ways of in Hebrew of understanding those words. One is the Hebrew midwives, but the other is the midwives of the Hebrew women. In other words, the, the, that's what the Ibn Ezra says. And I think it's, it's, it's more likely in the Pshat that we that he had his own midwives in in Egypt in the in the in the palace even and and the Hebrew the Hebrew um women the pregnant women used to go to the Egyptian midwives and they helped them to have their babies why why does it why does it make more sense because it make more sense that they that the, the Egyptian king will look for allies will look for 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 uh partners amongst his people to hurt to further hurt the Hebrew people. So he takes his uh, his midwives, you know, Egyptian midwives, and he tells them, "I'd like you to go to the Hebrew Hebrew women, and um, we'll hear in a minute what he told them." But the other thing that uh, supports the the explanation, the the um, commentary, and and the idea that they were Egyptian midwives and not Hebrew midwives is their name shifra and Pua at at that time in history is not he are not hebrew names they have the 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 parts of egyptian names these these names are names that we can that we found 
you know, in 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 that sounding in 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 some in 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 the sound of those of those names, these are Egyptian names. So, and it's true that Chazal. That's why I said today we're not going to look into midrash or commentators because they brought their own, own agenda there. The midrash would say, and Rashi would quote it, Shifra ve'Pu'ah are actually Yochevet and Miriam, the mother of Moshe, the sister of Moshe, etc. But I think that that path of Hebrew midwives, Yochevet and, and Miriam, is missing a very important message in the text. And if we carry with the idea that the, the Ameyaldota Ivriot were Egyptian midwives who helped the Hebrews give birth and their name were Shifrain Pu'ah, and the order they get from the, from, from the Pharaoh is, um, he was saying to them, when you deliver the Hebrew woman, look at the birth stall. And more exactly, the brick or stone uh, supports using by the Egyptian women during childbirth. If it is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. So he's asking something, as we say, ruthless, cruel, uh, unbelievable. Unfortunately, during history, there were other, you know, tyrants, di dictators, and cruel uh, kings and and uh, lead, um, you know, leaders that that you that didn't mind killing babies, but he tells them, when you come to deliver a baby, and the the women used to use a, a brick stone um, to sit on and to have to have the baby. If you see it's a boy, kill it, kill him, and if it's a girl, you can let her live. And that you know, inconceivable idea that the pharaoh had. When he tells it to those women, and if if they were Hebrew, it's almost unbelievable that you ask them to do such a thing. And maybe it's it's clear that they refuse to do it, even though they they you know they um, they um, danger their their lives. But if they were Egyptians, there is a a small chance that they will listen to him because he was their king and he was their ruler. But the surprise is that the verse is telling us et the midwives fearing God did not do as the king of Egypt had told them and they let the boys live. And I think that if we are looking for the first sign of spring, for the first sign of, of flower, for the first sign of a sun, sun rain in the story, it's here. And it's here for the, the most unexpected place where the Egyptian midwives hear the order of the Pharaoh and they say, that's too much. We are not going to, uh, to support that. We are not going to take part in that killing, in that murder. And the clue, the other clue that they were not Jewish is the, 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 uh, the usage of the two words, Tirena et Elohim, the fear of Elohim. Yirat Elohim, and that's something that the great uh, Bible teacher, uh, Professor Nechama Leibovich, Zichronali Vracha, taught. And Nechama Leibovich used to say, it, and, she's, and she's the first one to pinpoint that, every time in the Bible where we have the pair of words, 
יראת אלוהים, the fear of God, אלוהים, not, not י"ק-ו"ק, not, not the name of God, but אלוהים, uh, uh, if it's יראת אלוהים, it's always, no, most of the time is Gentiles, it's not Jews, we have it with אבימלך, we have it with איוב, we have it with אנשי נינווה, we have other, other ones, but all, all those When, when, when the Torah, when the Bible describes them, they dis- they're being described as people who fear God, Yirei Elohim. And that's why Nechama Leibovitch also here says, the pshat is obviously that they were not Jewish, but they were God-fearing. What does that mean to be a God-fearing person in, uh, uh, in Egypt at the, at the 14th century BCE? What does that mean? It means that they had moral. It means that they had... You know, I don't want to use the word uh, humanistic because, because, you mean, because it, it, it's anachronistic, but they were good people. And they knew that there's some things that are not, should not be done between people, even though they belong to a different ethnicity, uh, faith, culture, the different color, etc. And it also tells us that in every... I'll use modern words, okay, but you will understand. In every tyranny, in every fascistic nation, in every, uh, uh, um, you know, even communist uh, regime, and we know how murderous were those regimes, the Nazis, the fascists, the the communists in in Russia, in China, you know, life, human life uh, are not, they're not worth anything. And we know that millions and millions and millions of people were, be, were killed between those you know, four horrible, horrible regimes. But, but every, in every people of these regimes, they're always good people. That's why Yad Vashem in Israel you know, started with a Hasidei Umot Olam, the righteous people of the nation. Because that has nothing to do with what faith you, you, you have. It's, it's you understanding that, that you're God-fearing, that you understand you were created in the image of God and, and people are people. And if they die for no good reason or for nothing, and even if it's your king obeying you to murder, you're not going to cooperate. And that's what they do. And they didn't do as the king of Egypt had told them. And they let the boys live. Now, I, I just want us to hear because it's really shocking, and I think we're not we're not shocked enough by this sentence. It's not only that they're good women and they're not and they're letting the the kids live, the the children live, the the, the babies live. It's also that they know that if they if they disobey the word of the Pharaoh, they're gonna die. they they're they're willing to sacrifice their own life and not do something that is immoral in their own little world. world. Um, uh, I, can't, ah, I, can't see the, I can't see the comments while I'm teaching, okay? So I, I'll, I'll read it at the end. But I saw there was a comment jumping uh, in, in, in the air. Okay, so with that in mind, like Egyptian midwives, saving the, 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 the boys' lives, and they're not doing as the king told them. In the story itself, 
it also tells us, you know, that the Pharaoh, as, as far as he thought he was the king, he was the God of Mitzrayim, there were still people who understood that he was human after all. And also he says things that they disagree with and then they go, can go against it. And it's, 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 a, it's a big foreshadow for the next story, for what's, gonna, what's going to become later. But when we talk about the big topic of from a, from a family to a nation, there are many steps uh, and state and ma many many state steps in the on the way that we had help from other people. We had help, you know, from Gentiles, and we also had Gentiles joining us in Sefer Bereshit. Of course, you know, the family of Abraham, the family of of of, of Rachel and Leah. And, and together we, become, we, we do something which is the right thing to do. In a way, it's, it's, um, it's emphasized or manif uh, manifesting the, the first chapter, chapters of Sefer Bereshit, that God created human beings. God didn't create a Jew, he created human beings. And there should be certain rules that are universal, that are, more, that are universal morally. And everyone should keep. And the big fight was against huge empires like Egypt, who had the people and the elite, especially the king, the, the pharaoh uh, family, who thought they, they were better. They owned everything. They were, you know, they were God. And here, at the beginning of Exodus, that is starting to break. Uh, uh, and the same time that we become from a family to a nation, there's a breakdown in the idea of the empire as the only way to live, that there is hierarchy in, the, in people's lives, not hierarchy in what people do, and, uh, and, 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 and the hierarchy of competence. You know, you good in that and I good in that, and everyone's sharing together with their own strength. But what there was in Egypt was a hierarchy of, of value. The king valued himself as better and as, as, as worth more than any other common human being in his, in, his, uh, in his people. But what the Torah told us in Bereshit is that our value, our essential value is equal in the eyes of God. No man or woman are, 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 worth, are worth more than, than another person. Okay, so that's starting to break now in Egypt with with those uh, with those verses. Uh, let me just let me just really am curious to see what are the uh, uh, the comments that you wrote. Anything that they put the God of Hebrews above Pharaoh, who was also good. Exactly, exactly. And the verse is saying that ex right. They had they had the word of the Pharaoh. And they had an inside, you know, insight of, of a word of God, and they feared God, and that was above, um, above, above the, the the Pharaoh. Okay, let's go back. Okay, so uh, they let the boys live, and of course, the king hear about it. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives. And said to them, why have you done this thing, letting the boys live? 
Now that's not, that's also a surprise, right? Because we would expect him to to call them and to kill them, you know. But he is. It sounds like he's very curious because he knows no one ever, you know, would disobey him. And if they had these women had the guts to disobey him, there's something bigger is going on that he wants to understand. And he asks them, so why did you do that? You know, he can't even. He can't even. You know, in Hebrew is like in the beginning he can't even say what they did because he's so shocked you know only after he relaxed he's saying that's what you did let me see let me see in the hebrew in the english so so the king the the king of egypt summoned the midwives and said to them why have you done this thing letting the boys live and he's not asking technically, he's asking, how dare you? Are you you're not afraid of me? Is, is there some, something bigger than me? Like, what's, what's the reason? I mean, he, he is, for, he, he's so convinced that there's another reason that he just doesn't, because if it was just simply disobeying me, of course they know they're gonna die. And he's very curious to understand how come they were able to disobey him. And their answer is also surprising. The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are vigorous. Before the midwife can come to them, they have given birth. The Hebrew women have very easy labor. Remember the Rashi we saw last week that they had six children in one in one woman and the Rashbamu said no it's it's they had their children nobody died in in an era with who, the era that lasted for for hundreds of years of women women giving birth and dying uh, infants died during labor and the and the Rashbam said no they, every, every birth was 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 health, well healthy and they lived to be grown growing up people so here the midwives are are, are using a, a, a a trick because no men were were allowed in the in the in the area of, of the of the birth the birth area and not even the 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 policeman of of the of the king so that he couldn't see and his his spies couldn't see it because it was only women that was a taboo okay and they give him a reason that we don't even know if it's true or false right are they lying maybe they aren't telling the truth but they use that truth in order to tell him that you know they the hebrew women summoned us to help them give birth but by the time we got to their house they already gave birth and we couldn't see if it's a boy or a girl and pharaoh accepts that because at least we don't hear that he killed them right in other words maybe it made sense to him because of what we saw before that there was something unnatural in the fertility of the Jewish of the Hebrew people in the in the growth of the Hebrew of, of the Israelites and he just he, he added to the list of you know something is something something is wrong here what can we do against it but what we have and that's another um another you know uh um um sun sunlight Karen uh, or um it, it's it's another sign of light that we have in this dark beginning of Sefer of, of, of Exodus is 
וייטב אלוהים למיילדות וירא ועם ויצרו מאוד. And God dealt well with the midwives. In other words, he gave them שכר. Um, um, he rewarded them for the great, great thing that they did. And again, it's another, I would say it's another brick. We can either say it's another brick that is falling of the, in the empire, or it's another brick that we're building in the new idea of the one God, which is outside of nature, that created everything. And, and except for him, you know, who is, who is greater and, out, and, and outside, and he controls everything. It doesn't divide, divide to, to many gods, and all women are, or, or people are equal. And, and all of a sudden, you know, that God whom the midwives did well by, whether it was an instinct, whether it was they were moral and human or, or merciful, it doesn't matter. But they did good and they got, you know, and they got the reward. And that was another interesting, interesting uh, phenomenon. Because in Egypt, in Mesopotamia, in Canaan, it does, in, 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 in Aram, in, in wherever, you know, if it's your job and you have to do it, you have to do it. And if you did something beside what you had to do, so, well, good for you. But the king is not going to reward you. The king will give you extra if you'll bring him more, more money or you do some, you know, but, but and, and it's another, it's a new concept. It's a new concept, the concept of, uh, uh, of you do good, you get good. And it doesn't matter if, it, you, if you're in the lower part socially. You, you, not only the rich and noble and family and the elite are, can be rich. You do good, you get, you, you get rewarded. And together with that, another expansion of the people and the people multiplied and increased greatly you know if we were to list all the words that the, this this chapter describe how how big and great and multiply the people of israel were you know it it, it sounds every every few sentences we are reminded that they're even bigger and bigger and 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 and, and multiply more and um and it's connected to the male dots. Due to them, you know, nobody, no baby died. And, and then we have another mentioning, if we didn't understand that they were, that God dealt, uh, dealt well with the midwife because of what they did, here now, now we have a, a straight sentence, and because the midwives feared God and didn't kill the babies, he established households meaning of uh, 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 that that's what batim means he established household for them in in other words they you know they were i would say they got their pension for the rest of their life they had where to live they had you know they did well they didn't have to worry you know god took care of them that's what it means god took care of them uh, but that's not the end because now when, when Pharaoh understands that cooperation through the midwives is not going to help, he's going even further. And now he's turning to his entire people. Then Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, every boy that is born, you shall throw him, you shall throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. So the midwives are not going to help. 
So he's turning to his people and that's a decree, you know, and the simple, you know, the common Egyptian person, of course they fear Pharaoh. The midwives were unusual, maybe because they're so close to see how life comes out. I just, I, I had to be like, there's something about life. They bring life upon, they can't take it the minute they give. You know, they help the, the women give life, but the common people around and, and, and it, uh, they, he tells them, you know, every boy that's born, you shall throw into the Nile. Now, there's an, there's an interesting thing here because he doesn't say every boy that the Hebrews give birth to, you should throw into the Nile. And there's a big, big, you know, uh, a, a question here in, in, in the world of, of, the, of the commentators, wait a second, was he willing to kill his own children, his own boys, Egyptian boys, just so everyone will hear, you know, no one will say, oh, wh why them, why? But, but how can he say such a thing to his people? And how would his people ever agree to such a thing? And, and, and I think in the shot, first of all, we can hear that, that he was willing to go that far, but it, makes, it doesn't make so much sense. Um, and maybe it was because you were already talking about him, talking about decrees, about the, about the Hebrews, everyone understand that he speaks now about the, the Hebrews. He didn't work with the, with, the, with the midwives. Now he's ordering uh, the entire people to do that. And with that, what he's doing, he's taking the, the, the Egyptian nation that lived next to the Hebrews or the Hebrews who leg, lived next to the Egyptians for, for, for a long time, a long time, and he turns them against each other. And he makes them, and, and that's, that's the worst thing any ruler, any, any leader can do, unless he, he, he just has his, his goal of, of harassment. And what's the, the, the reality of that, of that pasuk is Egyptians are, are, are telling about Hebrew women that they see that they are pregnant and everyone's watching to see, you know, calculating when this woman has to, is about to give birth and, and waiting for her and see if she had a boy or a girl. And that's the situation we've been left with in, uh, at the end of chapter one and, um, and, and kola bena yelod and, and we, we have the first time we have the word the Nile here. We have the Nile. The Nile will be another, another character in the entire story, it takes a big part in the entire story. And, um, um, and, and the, the Nile, who was also a god, was the dwelling of the, of the, of the crocodile. The, the pharaohs also called themselves the great crocodile. And if we remember, um, um, the, the word crocodile in Hebrew is tanin. And in the beginning of the book of Bereshit, in the creation, it says that God created hataninim habdolim. God created the great, uh, um, the great crocodile. And um, and it's a big question. How come? Like no other, no other species. Or no other animal was 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 uh, was pinpointing was 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 mentioned in Bereshit except for the crocodiles. What are the crocodiles do there? And men and and, and I think the 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 sheer sp uh, simple meaning is because the creatures of the sea 
were considered in the ancient world. And again, when, when the people of Israel received the Torah in Mount Sinai at the, at the end of the 14th century BCE, the Egypt, Egypt has, already been, has already been a civilization for a few thousand years. And Mesopotamia was already there for a few, few thousand years. And, and the Torah was not given in, in, in an empty space. And the Hebrew people knew the stories and the stories in, the, in, the, in, the, in those huge mythologies mostly talk about uh, the creatures of the sea as, 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 um, as great forces that their gods that they believed in were fearing all the creatures of the, of the sea because they were mightier and stronger than them. And then all of a sudden we get a story saying that the God who created the world also created the Taninim and he controls everything including the scary you know beasts of the of the of the ocean and the nile so we understand that the nile is going to be a main character in our story pharaoh is throwing the kids in the nile because he feels and believes that the nile is his companion he's a, he's a, he's a, he's, he's, he's helping him you know he's the god he's worshiping with a taninim inside the nile so the Nile here became, becomes an ally of, of, of Paro'o. Um, and we leave, we leave the dark. Okay, with that, um, any questions before I move on? You're always so quiet. I, you're, feel free to, to join and ask and say what you think and uh, I'll be very happy. Okay. So if no questions, let's move on. And, and, and we're moving to, to the second chapter, to Perek Beth, with, with you know, the darkness of, of this chapter with few lights uh, here and there. And we move into chapter two, into a different realm. You know, the camera is shifting from the Egyptian side to Goshen, to the, to the side of the Hebrews. A certain man of the house of Levi went and married a, Levi, a Leviite woman. Now, what do you mean? Where does this come from? And, and why, do you do, why don't you tell me their names? I know who they are, right? We all know who they are. It's Amram, the father of Moshe, and Yocheved, the mother of Moshe. Why are you telling me a certain man and, uh, and, uh, and a Leviite woman? Why don't you use the word? The, uh, their, their, their names, their private names, okay? Keep that in mind. Um, um, we'll, we'll get to, 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 to the answer. I think what the Torah is doing here is, is so brilliant, but there's another thing that, that we, what we hear here, and, we, and, and this, is, this is a very, uh, this is a chapter full of light, okay? It's not the darkness that, we, that there was before. And the light is also starting with a simple word, Vayelech. Okay. And he walked, you know, he left his house and he married somebody. But the Hebrew word says Vayelech. Now, why am I saying Vayelech is such an important word? Because when we imagine slaves, you imagine them dragging their feet, staying home, very, you know, bent, hurt, you know, running home after labor. There's something very alive in that Vayelech Ish. You know, a certain man of the house of, La, of Levi went. And, and, and we tell ourselves, I, I know that word. I know the Vayelech. We found, 
walking people in, in the book of Bereshit, we found Avraham, Lech Lecha Me'artzecha, and we find Rivka, okay, that she walked behind uh, Eliezer who came to, to find her as a wife to Yitzchak. We know the word Vayelach. It means someone get up and, and do an active thing. So it's a first hint saying that amongst all these slaves, there is someone there who said enough is enough. We have to re return. We have to regain humanity. We have to regain, we have to remember that we are human beings. And the first thing he wants to do is to have a family. Rashi here is saying that they, used, they, they were married, but they separated because they didn't want to have children and not to take the chance that they'll kill, that the Egyptians will kill their children. So all the, all the Hebrew uh, men divorced their wives or were separated from their wives. And here it sounds like he decides to no more, no more. I will not uh, tolerate that anymore. And he goes back to his wife or marry, marry, uh, marry his wife. And that's very crucial. In it's the first sign of 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 someone saying, you know, we're not, we're we're not, we cannot be defined as slave all the time. We have to remember ourselves, remind ourselves that we're people, and we want to have life, and we want to have. We want to have family. Okay. So he, he went and he took and he, and he married. And the, women, the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw how beautiful he was, she hid him for three months. Okay. And this dude does need some explanation. They married. They had a child. It was a boy. In other words, danger upon his head. And the Torah tells us that, that she saw, uh, the translations say he was, he, was, uh, he was beautiful, but the Hebrew says she saw him and he was good, kitov. And, um, and, and I, want to, I want you to look at this kitov. And if you'll remember, we mentioned Bereshit many times today. Kitov is, is the, the word that God is using after every day. He, he created the first day, Vayar Elohim, Kitov created the second day. Elohim, Kitov. Okay, Kitov is is throwing us back to Bereshit when God is saying it's good. Creation is good. All of a sudden, amongst this this horror that they live in, a woman says something that something is good, and it connects us to creation. There's something fundamentally good. Now, if it was beautiful, well, most mothers. When they see their baby, no matter how how he really looks, you know how how the baby really thinks he's cute and he's and he's the, he's wonderful and he's ba and he's beautiful and he's, he's the most you know most uh, amazing thing that ever happened. And and that's why the commentators will take that word kitov and they ask, what else did she see? You know, it's not enough to sell, to think that she saw. Oh, my baby is so is so cute. Rashi would say, in, like the Midrash, Rashi would say, there was some, he was born and, and a light, some light came to the world. Like the room was filled of light. If, you, if it gives you an association of, of, of another religion with another one who was born and they saw light in, in Nazareth, yes, that's where they take it from. So, so he was born 
and, and there was light. And when Yocheved sees that, she's, she's not saying, oh, oh, he's so beautiful. He's saying, Kitov. Saying there's, some, there's a hint here. There's something different about this baby that she feels. She doesn't exactly know why, but, but some, some Midrashik would say that he was born circumcised. But, but we don't need that in order to say, and we can say many things, but definitely she, she saw that he was, there was something special about him. She couldn't really tell what or why, but she remembered it, and she hid him for three months. Now, to be able to hit him for three months, we need an explanation. And here I will use Rashi because I think what he's saying is must be the Pshat. If indeed every pregnant woman was watched by an Egyptian neighbor or 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 or, uh, or guard, um, so they counted nine months. And Rashi said he was born early. He was born three months early. So she knew she had at least three, three months to hide him at home, to keep him at home. So she hid him for three months, and the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw how beautiful he was, she hid him for three months. And then when she could, when she could hide him no longer, she got a wicker basket for him and, and uh, chucked it, it, it with... Uh, bitumen and pitch she put the child into it and placed it among the reeds by the bank of the nile and, and i want to go to the hebrew because i want again i want to show you a few important words she can't can't hide him anymore because nine months passed and she understands there's danger because people can are expecting to see a baby and what she makes you know what she makes is by the way, Hatspino, I, 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 it has nothing to do with our topic, but I have to tell you that because it's so beautiful. The last time we met that, that kind of a word, Hatspino, was with Yosef in Egypt. The name that, the, that Yosef's pharaoh in, Gen, in, in, in Genesis called Yosef, he wanted to give him a, an Egyptian name, he called him Safnat Pa'aneach. Now, it's Egyptian. It's Egyptian for the one who is smart, who knows how to read and uh, dreams, but it became a verb in Hebrew. Safnat pa'aneach is the, um, the, um, the hmm. Real or secrets. Say it again. Revealer. Yes. Ex explainer of things that are hidden. And yes, so the redeemer of the hidden thing and tzafnat tzafun we also find it in Pesach tzafun barech we hide the, the matzah and, and that, that name that Egyptian name became a Hebrew verb hatspinot to hide and when she couldn't hide him anymore she took tevat gomet Okay, so she took a basket, but the word teva, we, we've met that word again. We met that word in Bereshit, when Noah was, or, was ordered to build a teva, you know, to have, to collect his family and the animals to be saved from the, from the, uh, from the flood. So here, it's like we're having this zoom in or a microcosmos of what happened with a, with a flood, with a, without basket, teva that she made and she used 
Chemar, she used all the materials to cover it so it won't, um, 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 water won't go into it and enough, enough air can, can go into it. Um, and she put the child in that, uh, in that basket and she put him basuf al And that is important because I, I'm sure some of you at least saw the movie, The Prince of Egypt, and there they put they 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 put the um, uh, the basket inside the Nile, and there's waves, and there are crocodiles trying to eat the 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 the, the, the teivad. No, no, no. It can't be that you put him in the Nile, because that wouldn't make sense. Because that would mean that he's going to drown, right? She put him in. She put him. She put the teva among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Okay, lots of reeds at the bank of the Nile. It's very um, 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 crowded. Okay, all the reeds are very crowded. So she, so she put it in, put the teva inside the reeds of, uh, of the Nile. Now, I want to ask another question. Like, why there? Didn't she have somewhere else to hide him? why automatically she goes there and it sounds like she, that 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 was the plan because she took the basket and she covered it in, a, in other words she knew the location where she wants to hide the teva and um i want you to to keep that question because we'll we'll read a little bit more and then i'll tell you i'll tell you the what i think what i believe is the answer but but just pay attention to the fact that it seems like like it was very clear to the mother we don't have her name yet, right? Very clear to the mother. We don't. We also don't have the name of the child. and He doesn't have a name. And um, and she put him in in the reeds. Now the next thing that the Torah is telling us, um, and here's the English, and his sister stationed herself at the distance to learn what would befall him. And here the English opened the, um, the, the difficult words, Hebrew words in, in the verse. Vatetatsav is not, is not a correct Hebrew to use. It should have said vatityatsev or vataamod. Vatetatsav is a very strange usage of the verb to stand. And the English this time was correct. <laughs> and it's, it means that she put herself. Again, it's another mistake that usually we hear that Yocheved told, the, the mother told the little sister to stand to see what's happening to him. But it's not true. It's the sister who stood. Is also very strange in Hebrew because it should have said to know what will happen to him. Ledea is something of a knowledge. It's as she had a knowledge of what's going to happen to him. Now, that's another big question that we need to ask about this act. The sister stationed herself at a distance uh, to learn that what would happen, what would befall him. Now, if she stood there to protect him, what, what could she have done? Let's say, uh, uh, a beast, an animal, and it would come out of the jump out of the Nile and grab the teva into the Nile. Could she jump after him to save him? No. Let's say a, an Egyptian person would come 
and take the teva and walk away. Could she tell them no? Now, it's even more questionable when we realize how old she was. And how do we know approximately how old she was? Because it's, it's one of the rare occasions when the Torah is giving us a specific age connected to a specific uh, uh, um, event in history that has nothing to do with the person's death. Because usually what we have is how old A, X was when they died. But we know that the Torah is telling us when Moshe is returning to Egypt after he was in Midian to, to redeem the people, he was 80. And Aharon was three years old. And if we and, and if we carry that count, you know, once one sister up, how old was Miriam? Was she six? She was the oldest. Was she six? Was she seven? Was she eight? Was she ten? Let's say she was ten years old. And she stands, she was she was a child. She stands there. What can a little child do? What is she looking to see? Because to help him, if something happened to him, she can't. And also she's a slave. Everyone can see that she's a slave because she's wearing Hebrew clothes and slaves' clothes. It's, we have, to, we have to, to, to try really to imagine that and to see, to, to view that. And, and it's, you know, every, every ethnic group, this is a true thing up till today. Every ethnic group, which is a minority, amongst my, my majority, they keep their, their clothing or at least some aspects of their clothing. Everyone can see that she's Hebrew. But maybe the hint that we have, maybe the Torah is giving us the hint by the word ledea. In other words, it's not that she's standing there to know what's going to happen to, to him and, and to help him. Maybe she's standing because she's, she knows something special and unusual is going to happen. Because she was there when he was born and she saw the light or she saw the special thing that happens with her mother. Especially if we add the Midrashim, which I didn't want to add, but I'll say them anyway, that, that say that she had prophecy, that this little child had prophecy that her youngest brother is going to be the redeemer. So it's not just she's there to help him, she's there to see how the prophecy is going to happen. What's going to be? What's the next step? She's watching to see if indeed something great is going to, to be with this child to learn what would befall him. And um, we're about to start to bring uh, the daughter of Pharaoh to the picture. And I'd like to, to read it in, in one, you know, in, in, in one row, not to stop you, you know, and, and have a week, a week of a break. So with your permission, we'll stop here. So we'll, we'll get the entire story. Um, next next week. Rabba. And um, yeah, I have the question, Rabba. Needs the small question. Go, go the, ahead, Anna. Yes, the etymology of the names of these ladies, like Puach and uh, she. Yes. Where I can find because I had the one time some of Rabbi said the Puach is like poo 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 because he made right. Yes, right. That's 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 what the mid the midrash in the midrash 
Uh, um, I need. I think you guys need to turn off your 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 phone, and then I can speak. I think. Okay. Um, the major says that their name is after the 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 sounds they used to do to the to the baby to calm him down. Poo poo poo, hash hash hash. You know, and 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 another major says that. Who I used to calm them down with with her with her words with her sounds and shifra shifra sounds like Aramaic like making better and they like she she cleaned it she she washed the baby and the midrash makes it into really Hebrew Hebrew midwives um, that's the that's the way of the midrash and also Rashi goes along that path and many other commentators Ibn Ezra and other and especially you know the the most modern commentators from the 18th century and on, Shadal and Rav Hirsch and others are, are saying, we, it, we, if we're not saying they're Jew, if we're not saying they're Egyptian, we're missing the point, or, you know, of the upright, of the, you know, the up, up, upright, upraged, um, the, the rebellious against the mightiness of, of Pharaoh amongst his people, that he's not perfect and something starts to crack you know, something is not wrong in the kingdom of Denmark, but it was in, in Egypt, right? So there's something, something is happening. And, and, and they got the reward because, because in, in, in God being the ruler of the world, you don't have to belong to any, you know, culture or nation or ethnicity in order to get rewarded if you do good things. That's the big message of the beginning of the Torah. The people of Israel will be will will, will turn from a, from a family to a nation because they have we have a specific mission that is upon our shoulders that we have to keep. But it, but but we we be, we believe you know that's something that Rabbi Sachs Zechir Tzadik Livracha repeated over and over and over again. You know Judaism believing in a universal God in a particular religion. That's why we don't want everyone to be Jewish and keep mitzvot, but we do want everyone to realize God created the world and God is, is, uh, is the king of the world. Yeah, God, God is, uh, is the one you need to, that's what we want. We want everyone to believe in God, but not to become Jewish. The other religions who came from uh, Judaism, Christianity and Islam are, are already becoming uh, uh, universal religions and they want everyone to be Christian and everyone to be Muslim in order for this world as they think to um, to obey God's words, but we're very different in that. Anna, did I answer your question? Yes, exactly. Thank you. Rabbi. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Bye. Toda.